ओम सरस्वती नमः नमस्ते 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 एवरीवन वी हैव बीन डिस्कसिंग हाउ द हाईएस्ट गॉडेस मेड हरसेल्फ मैनिफेस्ट ऑन द टॉप ऑफ द हिमालयस एंड सेड आई विल टेक बर्थ इन हिमालयस होम and the himalayas was choked with emotion and began to cry and he said mother i can't imagine what i could have done to earn the privilege of becoming father to the divine mother but now that i have this honor bestowed upon me please give me some instruction what should i do when i'm the father of the divine mother how do i provide an environment conducive to your accomplishing your goals the for this manifestation you come into manifestation in the physical world as an avatar you are an incarnation of divinity what can i do to prepare the way and empower you and educate you and and give you all the tools that you might need so that your way will become very simple and smooth how many of us ask that of our children please i get so many parents coming and saying would you please fix that kid She won't do what I say. I'm telling her to do it my way and she keeps rebelling and says she's got her own destiny. Would you please fix that kid, say some mantra, swat her on the backside, do whatever you need to do but make that kid obey me. Because I want my children to be in the image of me. they do say that many why times why do they say that because the egotism of possession and authority that's my child that child is the manifestation of all of my dreams and aspirations everything that i wanted that i didn't get i want that child to have instead of saying that child was sitting up in heaven looking down at the earth and saying hmm which household will provide the environment for me most conducive to my fulfilling all of the outstanding karma that i have accumulated over lifetimes and lifetimes i'm going to choose that mommy and that daddy and i'm going to take birth in that household now the divine mother said that himalayas has been worshiping me with one pointed steadfast sankalp with one pointed focus and meditation he never even moves he is so devoted he just stays there in jap and tap in samadhi thinking only of me i will take birth in his household he is the best father that i could ask for 
Himalayas began to cry and he said, Mom, could you tell me about your real self? Can you describe to me who you really are, the intrinsic nature of the energy of the universe? Can you illuminate me as to your true being? Can you tell me about love and devotion? Can you illuminate me, enlighten me as to what is the best course of behavior for the father of the supreme goddess? I don't want you to do it my way. I want to do it your way. And that was the end of chapter three. Now, everyone buckle up, put on your seatbelts, because now the description begins. We are going to weave a tapestry through Nyaya and Boisheshika and Shankya and Yoga and Purvamimamsha and Uttarimamsha. We're going to find the sadhana by which Himalayas can make the environment conducive for the Divine Mother to become empowered to fulfill her mission. We're going to learn about Vedanta. We're going to learn, and they're going to mix them all together in a tapestry, weaving the warp and the woof of the cloth together so that we prepare this cloak of Tantra. So let's begin the study of chapter four. Now, this language is extremely particular. It's somewhat sophisticated. From time to time, you'll excuse me if I explain it in Bengali so that Sri Ma can have even greater participation. Because <laughs> it's really fun when she knows how much we love her. What is love? What is devotion? So let's begin chapter 4. We're on page 94 of the Devi Gita. And the goddess said, Sudo, listen to all my words with attention. <coughs> with attention. Oh, you who are free from old age and death. Why are you free from old age and death? You're doing Nitya Karma. You're listening to this provocation with full attention. And if A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A is equal to C. And if the guru is one with wisdom and the disciple is one with wisdom, then the guru and the disciple are one. So now we are free from old age and death because we are performing karma yoga. We are uniting through the activity of listening to wisdom karma and gyan and bhakti and dhyan, they're all united in the one activity. The karma is speaking and hearing. The subject matter is gyan. The attentiveness is bhakti. And we are paying attention with, that is our gyan. That is our meditation. You are free from old age and death. Merely hearing this discourse will enable you to realize my form. Suno, Suno, Amar Swarup Prakash. 
You'll excuse me if I speak in three languages and we'll weave them all together like a tantric. Before, again, only I was my Ekmatra Amichina. And there was nothing else other than I. She, this Shakti, Shakti Tattva. She is Shiva, she is Shakti. She's one Maya, who is the Maya Abhidanta, the one in harmony with her own self. Ekmatra Aham Brahmash. Only I was. Prakriti. Before becoming this. Before the, this became, I was there. You couldn't see me, because you weren't. <laughs> I was. There was nothing else. The form of my eternal soul, the self, is known by the names of Chit, Shambit, and Parabrahma. This is specific vocabulary according to our sampradaya, according to the traditions of tantra, according to the shakti worship, according to the swadhyaya, the bhavana of our, of our gurukul. Chit is consciousness. Shambit isham vidya, all the knowledge, all that is knowable. And Parabrahma and the supreme divinity or, su or supreme perceiver is Vishwa Chaitanya Jiprakash Kurche. So it was Chaitanya, Shambit, Jyotu, Gyan Prakash Kartiparibe, Ebongi Parabrahma, Paramatma, Sreshta Chaitanya. So these are the three aspects of me. The self is unable to be perceived through the senses. A Pura Brahma, a Atma, Indriyodhiyaya It is without confinement to space. It is changeless, without name. It has no Upadi, it has no Kanchuk. It has no Kal, Rag, Niyati, Vidya, or Kala. There's no limitation. They're to the consciousness which perceives this self. The self has one inherent power, and that is the infinite energy called by the Siddhas as Maya. So this Maya is the Maya Vedant. This is the Maya of the One in harmony with the One. And there is no second. There is only the Maya of Bishwa Chaitanya. Maya is unperceptible. Big Maya. Big Maya. Yeah, not little Maya. Big Maya. Maha Maya. You remember that song, Maha Maya? Prabhavi? Oh, we'll sing later. This Maya is not existent, nor is it non existent. Neither can it be called both. But this undefinable maya is always, always is without end. Adi, Antnai. 
Kono adi amnai itu itaki chirata. There is no end to this Maya because it is the embodiment of all of consciousness, and consciousness extends beyond the lokas. Burbuva swatma jana tapa satya. My Maya is natural as heat rises from fire, as the sun emits rays of light, as cooling rays come from the moon. It's swabhavic. It's it's the intrinsic nature of existence is this maya which we know know as infinite energy. Just as all the actions of all life dissolved into shushukti or deep dreamless sleep, all life and time merge into that maya. Mahakal. Shamasta ikal, all the times, shamhar kore, maya madhye. It is the recipient, that maya is the recipient of all actions, of all time, of all form. They all dissolve into maya. Maya is the infinite expanse of existence, undefinable, imperceptible, and indivisible. In my union with Maya and Shakti, or the union of Maya with Shakti, I am the seed of the soul of existence. So here, Maya is taking on the energy. She's taking the energy and she becomes the union of the seed of Bindu with the soul of existence, the Paramatma, Bindu Prakashkore. And now we have a, an, a, an origin for creation. Holding aloft this creation has the defect of hiding me, its originator. Now I am the Maya of Tantra. I am mother giving birth to the creation out of the Bindu and all you're seeing are the things of creation. You see the duality but you don't see me. You see the, the, all the forms and objects and relationships in duality, but you don't see the maya. You don't see the energy. You don't see the consciousness. Now, maya in union with Chaitanya, which, which is consciousness, is called the efficient cause of creation. Remember, for anything to come into manifestation, we need two sets of causes, an efficient cause or instrumental cause and a material cause. So maya in union with Chaitanya, with consciousness, is the efficient cause. Or, yeah, it's the efficient cause or instrumental cause of existence, or the ultimate principle of non-duality. It's a mul tatwa, adaitya, prakash From From the adaitya, the bindu comes, and from the bindu, this is the efficient cause when maya is, becomes conscious then maya becomes the instrumental cause of manifestation. The ultimate principle of non-duality. It's the last frontier. After that, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> maya expressed through the five original elements, shiti, apti, mulu, earth, water, fire, air, ether, 
is known as the material cause of existence. So you have an instrumental cause, consciousness, and a material cause, nature, prakriti. Some call this maya tapas, that which produces heat or purifying activity. Some call her tama, darkness. Others call her chara, inert material, wisdom, maya, foremost, nature, energy, without birth. She's chitasta, she's ojum. She is... Yeah, how do you name the Maya? She is one with the Bindu. And she is both the efficient cause united with consciousness and the material cause united with the elements. The expositors of the Shiva scriptures call her Bimarsha, experience. Great term. Please put that in your lexicon. Bimarsha. It's the experience. Everything that can be experienced is Bimarsha. Everything that can be experienced is only is in duality. It's material. It's other than the one. And others from Vedanta philosophy think of her as, as avidya, or ignorance, or that which obscures the knowledge because you're looking at the duality and not at the unity. Remember uh, Brahma Satya Jagatmin. That was our tatwa from Tatwagyan, our mool tatwa bintant. That is consciousness. The supreme divinity is true because it endures, it, it's everlasting, it's, it continues. Where is this jagat? This perceive, perceptible world of created forms is always changing. And therefore, it's not true. Because what's true is the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If it changes, how can it be true? Truth abides. So they call this Maya as Ovidya, the Purdha. It's that which obscures the reality, obscures the truth. And for this Maya, Maya, various expounders have expressed various names in the Nigamas and various other scriptures. Remember the Agamas are those scriptures propounded by Shiva. And he tells Shakti, let me tell you how it is. And the Nigamas are those scriptures propounded by Shakti. And she tells Shiva, well, let me tell you how it is. And various other scriptures, that which can be seen of this Maya is inert. You can only see the, 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 the gross body. You, you can't see the subtle body. You can dream it, you can think it, you can conceive it. It's a concept, but it's not perceptible. Uh, and knowledge it conveys is not indestructible. It will change. Uh, the gross body will change. Uh, and therefore, it is false. A jagat mitta. Consciousness cannot be perceived. Only the inert may be perceived. You can perceive matter. You can't perceive consciousness. The perceiver does not perceive itself. It only perceives the object of perception. An object which is material.
Consciousness alone perceives itself and is not perceived by any greater source. There is no other perceiver other than the, per the perception of consciousness. The logical fallacy of Anabashta, an endless series of causes and effects would exist if it were to be said that consciousness requires another source of perception. Here we are, we're discussing Nyaya philosophy. This is, these are the principles of logic. Logic chopping, some say. But it is an anabasht, where it, 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 you have an endless series of causes and effects, and you say that one cause needs another cause to, per, to, to perceive it, and then it's an ad infinitum retrogression. Huh? It just completely goes back, 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 and there is no first mover unmoved until you get back to Aristotle and the ontological arguments for the existence of God. Excuse me. Huh. The cause cannot be the same as the effect, and therefore consciousness must be perceived by itself. That's Maya in union with her own self. She is Chit and she is Chitta. She is Shiva and she is Shakti. She is the perceiver and she is the perceived. With the Drishya, Ebon Drishya Rup. The self perceiving requires no other source of perception. It itself perceives the sun and the moon and the mountains. The attainment of this universal body of knowledge is the infinite attainment of me. If you can understand that the perception is consciousness perceiving ad infinitum, the sum bit, all that can be known that comes into this awareness is the perception of consciousness, then you have perceived you understand who I am. That is my real nature. Yeah, Ahamarashvabhavi. Amadar Prakritik Bahavanache. Sarup. Sarup Amidarin Gochi. Bishvachetanya. The waking, dreaming, and deep sleep states of perception are constantly changing. We're moving from one state of perception to another. We get up. And then we go to sleep. <laughs> and then we go to deep, dreamless sleep. Jagat Swatna Shushupti. They are constantly changing, but the Sambit, the universal body of knowledge, all that can be known, always remains the same. No differentiation can ever be understood. We shall get to Prakritiyache. If it could be felt or experienced, it would be transitory. If it can be experienced, it's transitory. Therefore, it is understood by the witness to be older than the oldest. And 
এবং আন্ত পর্যন্ত থাকবে All true scriptures declare that the universal body of knowledge is eternal. এই সম্বিত চিরাস্তায় কোন পরিবর্তন নাই যত আসতে পারিবে যেতে পারিবে এস মাচ ইস ক্যান কাম ইন টু ম্যানিফেস্টেশন এন্ড গো ফ্রম ম্যানিফেস্টেশন দিস আর অল পার্ট অফ দিস ইনফাইনাইট বডি অফ সাম্বিত অল দ্যাট ক্যান বি নোন ইট ডাজেন্ট চেঞ্জ it changes in our perception it changes in our thoughts in our minds in our behavior but it doesn't change in consciousness maharaj uh, changing ko chhe karon amra prakriti prakriti change kochhe eto poriborto hoche ar baki to amra bolchi je amra prakriti achi amader poriborto hobe joto amra bolbo ami chaitani achi toto amra চিরস্থায় Uh, and she's explaining it with nyaya and she's explaining it with tantra and she's explaining it with vedanta and she's explaining she's using every tool in her arsenal in her tool chest to tell all us agani putra adam santar she's telling us all these uh, these useless people uh, uh, who i am All true scriptures declare that the universal body of knowledge is eternal it is the form of bliss and thus the progenitor of supreme love <laughs> ah back to the mool tatwa all you need is love <laughs> we're back to the mool tatwa all you need is love it is the progenitor of supreme love All thoughts give the feeling I am and never the feeling I am not. Cogito ergo sum. I think therefore I am. Darn it. Every thought has a thinker. And that thinker is a stinker. That thinker is me. I am the thinker of all my thoughts at the museum. Darn it. So all the thoughts give me the the feeling that I am. Cogito ergo sum. I think and I am and I'm still here, darn it. This feeling exists intrinsically to swabhavika within the soul as love. Ah, who is this I? I am love. Thus, I am quite distinct from all else which is false. Joto ami pratakshkochi. Ami nechi, it's all stool. Itu shabstool. Everything I am perceiving through the senses I see, I it's only the gross body and it's always changing. and if it's changing it's not abiding and it's not chivasta it's not infinite it's it's going to change it's false brahma satya jagat mitya 
Brahma is the truth. He's not changing. The witness is the truth. I am love. That is the truth. She's telling us who we are, who she is. And how can we realize ourselves so that we can prepare for her? I am love. And then, so then I am quite distinct from everything else which is false because my love isn't changing. I'm still in love. It will be sure I am indivisible, infinite. All is me. Wisdom is not the dharma of the soul. It is the intrinsic nature of the soul. Hmm. is the intrinsic nature of the soul. It's not the Dharma, oh, I've got to practice Dharma, I'm going to control myself so that I can be in love. No, it's not a sadhana. It is the, the original nature of your soul. The ultimate unchanging character of wisdom cannot be perceived. You can't see that wisdom is always the same. Nor does it evolve. Chit, consciousness, is the ideal of perfection. It has dharma within it. And if the consciousness does not exist, then how could it be known? Again, we have nyaya, we're proving logically that if, you, if your soul, if your consciousness is of the nature of vishvaprem, of universal love, then if consciousness didn't exist, how, can you, how could you know that you are one with love? That you are the manifestation, the embodiment of love? Therefore, tashmat, oh, I'm going to do, not in center. <laughs> Sorry, I'm using every tool in my chill chest, just like she is. That's not. Therefore, say Junior. Therefore, the soul is the form of wisdom and always of the form of happiness. Can you imagine an unhappy soul? The thoughts make us think we're unhappy, but the soul is never unhappy. The soul is Satchitananda. The soul is always in the, the, in the highest delight. It is always of the form of happiness. It is truth, always full, unattached, and devoid of duality. The in your soul. It is full, it is one, it is infinite, it is complete, it is the, the, the form of Satchit And Baki Shabakwash. Everything else is nonsense. It's all the Purda of Maya, the Maya of Shankya, which obscures the reality of my intrinsic nature, which is pure truth, consciousness, and bliss. Again, 
When united with desires and karmas, vasanas and sanskaras, etc. <coughs> Ityadi. It creates its own maya according to the rising of previous samskaras and tendencies ripening because of time and activity. So here it creates this maya of, of shankya which obscures the reality and says I'm attached to this and I've got to do that and I want to be there and I want to do this and I got and all the bhashanas and all the samskaras and all the tendencies all the parabdha karma all the arrows which were shot in the past are coming to land and each time it lands I say, oh my gosh, there's more karma facing me. And that makes more maya. And I bind myself in the web of maya of my own thoughts. Nijay maya jal kori. I mean, nijay maya binded. That I can't escape from my own thoughts. They're going with me wherever I go. Gosh darn, I climbed to the top of the Devi Mandir mountain and I sat down in the temple and I went to do puja and all I could think about was my world that I left behind. That is the Maya of Shankya, the Purda, which obscures the reality, the, the veil which obscures it, keeps us bound to this reality, ripening because of time and activity. And over time, those arrows are going to land. They will land. <laughs> Sorry about that. There's no choice. Those arrows will land. If I am not fixed in Nitya Karma, I'm going to have to pay attention to them. There's only one resolution to be so firm in our nitya karma, in our eternal activities, in our karma yoga, in the actions which bring us to the perfection of union, that then I get to be free from the parabdha and the arrows land and I don't have the time or mind or energy or inclination to pay attention to. Because of lack of discrimination of the tattvas, the principles of existence becoming mixed together, creation comes forth. So here, I mix all these tattvas. I don't come sequentially. Uh, remember, we talked about the 36 principles, and we talked about the 24 principles, and the way that the tattvas descend into manifested existence, and the way that sadhus ascend into non-attachment. Because of lack of discrimination of these principles, then all this creation becomes mixed up together, and the creation comes forth. Oh, great mountain! Now remember that mother is telling this to Himalaya. Oh, great mountain! Hey, Giriraj! It is said that all beings take birth because a previous deficiency of buddhi or intelligence. <laughs> a lack of discrimination makes us take birth. We didn't clean up the messes that we left behind last time. And therefore, we've got unfinished business, we've got samskaras, we've got bhashanas, we've got all of these tendencies and unfulfilled desires, and we have this incompatible 
compelling necessity to act upon it. it just, it's like the magnet man. He, was, he attracts everybody. <laughs> we are attracted to, like a magnet, a tubok, moton, another, We have no, no way to resist. The magnet is pulling on us to come and fulfill our karma. I have spoken to you of the knowledge of my universal form. It is also known as avyakrita, unmodified, and avyakta, unmanifest, and maya shavala, the force or power of maya, and various others, other names. So uh, it has many names. Uh, we talked about bhasanas, we talked about samskaras, we talked about peremptive karma, and this maya which is pulling us towards that those vasanas is described as avyakta, avyakta, maya shavala, the force and power of maya, and various others' names, especially as they apply to the Shankya philosophy, or as they are describing the maya which obscures the reality. In all the scriptures, it is said to be the cause of all causes, the principle which precedes all existence and sat-chit-ananda-vigra, the repository of true existence and consciousness and bliss. Where all the actions of all existence are united and where icha shakti the, the energy of desire, and jnana shakti the energy of wisdom or intelligence, and kriya shakti, the energy of all action, all take refuge. Icha, kriya, jnana shakti, these three remain within every onu, pratik onu madhya icha kriya jnana shakti prabhalache, the prakashka korche. Uh, they are intrinsically united with every atom of existence, you, with all the three gunas. Wherever you find three gunas, you'll find icha, kriya, jnana, shakti. The energy of desire, will, I must manifest something. The energy of kriya, I've got to do something. The energy of jnana, and this is what I'm going to do. Those three... Uh, all take refuge, and that is called the mantra. The primary or foremost principle. Ha karas tu Rakara Shukshma Dehaka, Ikara Karanamasto, Rinkarahom Turiyakam. The H means the gross body, what can be perceived through the senses. The R means the subtle body, what can be conceived in the mind. The E means the causal body, what can be known through intuition and meditation. And Anuswar, the sound of an atom. Means perfection. The perfect manifestation of everything.
everything that can be seen and conceived and known through intuition, known through meditation. This is the foremost principle. Let's stop here for a moment. What? Let's see if there are any questions tonight, because this is very technical jargon. And I would love to empower you all with a grasp of this vocabulary, because this vocabulary will lead you. You have to stretch yourself to grasp the new definitions. You cannot do this in English alone. If you do it in English, it won't make any, any sense to you. Uh, how do you how do you go farther to the realization of hearing? You have to feel it. You have to understand it intuitively. You have to understand the various forms of Maya. That you have to understand. You want to learn the new language to go with the new experience. Because if you try to describe it in English you're going to fail. Go ahead, try and tell me what OM means. As soon as you stretch for a definition of the measurement of infinity, you're pushing yourself into new realms of meditation and new realms of understanding. And it just, you'll write a book and never describe the thing in itself, as Kant was going to call it. You'll never describe what the, the intrinsic nature, the shwapab, or is the swarup. What is its swarup? What is the intrinsic nature, the form of itself? Until you understand what it means in Sanskrit, and you keep expanding that definition, and expanding it. So try to grasp the vocabulary. If any of you choose, take a, 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 a copy on one sheet all of the, the Sanskrit terms that come in this chapter, and make a list of those terms, and try and piece together the definitions, and we'll make a new vocabulary list, send it to me, and I'll correct it for you, and then we'll have a new form of vocabulary list to add to our understanding of Sanskrit experience. Because to understand the, the word, you have to have the experience. And the pursuit of the understanding of that definition will expand your horizons towards achieving that experience. You just put it into English and say, Maya Shabala. It's not going to happen for you. <laughs> but it's nice to have a vocabulary through which we can allude to it so that we can describe what we were doing in order to achieve that experience. Let's see if there are any questions. Please, Ramya. Swamiji, uh, beginning of the chapter, yes. uh, verses 4 to 6. Yes, please. Where uh, we are, you explained Mahamaya. Yes. How does, can you uh, help me to understand how this Mahamaya relates to Shiva Tattva and Shakti Tattva? Yes, ma'am. Uh, first of all, we are saying that Mahamaya is Shiva Tattva and Shakti Tattva. It is. It is not different. It is not the same as Maya. 
It is because Shiva and Shakti and Ishwar and Shuddha Vidya and then comes Maya. This Maya Tattva is the Maya of Vedanta. It is Kailarim, Hasakahalarim, Shakalarim. We have the Maya of Vedanta, the Maya of Tantra, and the Maya of Shankya. The Maya of duality, it's obscuring the, re the reality. The Maya of Tantra is the many in relationship to the one, and the one in relationship to the many. And the Maya of Vedanta is the one in harmony with her own self. There is no duality. So she is Shiva Tattva, she is Shakti Tattva, she is Ardhanarishwar Tattva. All three combined because there's only one. We can call her as him. She won't take offense. We can call him as her. He won't take offense. We can call them as one Ardhanarishwar. Neither will take offense. But it's only the one, and that's the one of Vedanta. There's only one principle in the universe, the one divinity. Some call it he, call, some call it she, come, some call it he, she. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Are there other questions, please? You described how Agama and Nigama were, were Shiva talking to Shakti and Shakti talking to Shiva. How are their perspectives different? Well, Shiva, of course, says, I am the supreme divinity of the universe. Everything manifests from consciousness. Shakti says, Maya is the supreme principle of the universe. It all manifests from the Maya in unity with the one, with, with the, her own oneself. So in, uh, in Chandi, uh, in, uh, she becomes Shiva Duthi. She sends Shiva to the, as the ambassador. <laughs> she says, Shiva, hey, go tell those Asuras to shut up or put up. <laughs> go down to the lower worlds or I'm going to kill them. And of course, in Shiva Purana, then Shiva says, Sati, don't go to Daksha's Yagya. You're not going to have a good time there. I'm going to end up scooping up your remains and dancing around the universe. <laughs> Please! They tell the stories in different ways. Same story. But it's told in a different way, with a different flavor and a different tantra. And it weaves together in somewhat different ways. So the, it's really not different, except it's, if you are a worshiper of Shiva, you say, well, Shiva is the supreme divinity. And if you're a worshiper of Shakti, everyone bows to the Divine Mother. Yes, please. In the center of our yantra, we have Atma. Yes. And you were saying wisdom is the intrinsic nature of the soul? Yes. So why is it different than Paramatma and Antaratma and Atma? Oh, well, because the Atma is the, is the individual soul manifested in an individual being. Uh, the Paramatma is the supreme soul which is unmanifest. The, uh, uh, the Gyanatma is the soul of wisdom from which we have that knowledge. So, different ways of describing the same thing. Antaratma is the soul within. The soul within thee is a river. Its sacred bathing place is contemplation. 
Its waves of our love, its waters our truth, its banks our holiness and piety. Sodoma, go to that river for your bath. Your soul will not be made pure by bathing in water alone. That's the river we want to bathe in. The river of the soul, the Antar Atma, the inner soul. It's the soul within you. Are there other questions, please? Yes. We have a question from Vish. Yes, Namaste, Vish. Please explain the principle of the efficient and material causes of creation. Yes, for any, anything to evolve, into manifested existence, you need two sets of causes. There has to be an efficient cause, there has to be a material cause. You need something to move it. A prime mover unmoved, as Aristotle was going to call it. He said it's, you can't have an endless series of causes and effects without a first cause. That first cause, you must postulate the existence of a first cause or you cannot have perpetual motion. It's just a logical fallacy. So you need two sets of causes. You need the stuff that's going to get moved and something that moves it. For example, uh, the atoms in a stone, inert object, and yet we know that within the, the, the molecular structure of the stone, there is movement. There are protons and neutrons and electrons and quarks and, and Higgs boson and oh, so many different atomic and subatomic particles in movement. Now, when it is colder, they move faster. And when it is warmer, they move slower. Now, there is some recognition going on within those subatomic particles that say, I know what temperature is. I'm cold, I've got to move faster to generate more friction so that I have more heat. Or they say, it's too hot, I better move slower uh, so that I can cool down. Now, in the same way that the, 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 the atomic structure of a stone recognizes the difference in temperatures, every manifested element of existence recognizes the changing forces of nature. So that you can tell your own body when the moon rises, the water gets higher, uh, the, the waves on the sea rise, the waves in, of water in my body, my body's 80% water anyway, they're all attracted to rise, and I feel a certain disposition or a certain temperament, a change in temperament, as when there is no moon and there is no attraction, there is no physical compulsion for the water in my body to respond to an outside stimulus. Uh, that's why in the springtime, all the boys start noticing the girls. 
And all the girls start noticing the boys because there's a certain, there's a certain vibration in the air where the bees and the birds and the flowers are all blossoming and buzzing and humming and inspiring certain behaviors that don't go on <laughs> in the heat of the summer or in the cold of the winter. <laughs> Just happens that way. We're responding according to our prakriti. Uh, and so there are many natural forces. These are the instrumental and material causes of changes in existence. That, that is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we lose control. <laughs> it's fun if you keep control. If you lose control, then it's not fun because then you become a you come responsive to circumstances instead of controlling the circumstances. The circumstances control you. And instead of planning your life, you fit into life's plan for you. And you lose control. And if you lose control, one day you wake up and you say, why don't I have any control? I'm not doing what I wanted to do with my life. Why is that? And the reason must be that we didn't control our responses. Please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma. The description that you just gave of the waves, the bank, the water, it was so poetic. Where can we find this poem? Uh, you can find it in the Tantra Sar. Uh, it's in the fifth chapter. And uh, I, uh, if you need a citation, send me an email. Please. I have a follow-up question, a vicious question. Absolutely. So if we can't have an infinite chain of, chain of causes and effects, how can every uh, birth take place because of a previous deficiency? Uh, Wouldn't that be there a was... Bhagwan had a previous deficiency. And that's why he manifested. He had a deficiency. He said, I want to see myself. I want to have duality so I can see myself. I can't see myself. I can only be in union with myself if I'm one and alone and indivisible and inseparable and, and uh, undistinguishable. How can I see me? So in order to have darshan, in order to have a leela, a play, a drama, he decided to manifest himself in duality. And Maya said, well, instead of just being consciousness, I will become consciousness and energy. I will manifest as energy. And I will make my energy kinetic instead of totally potential. So then there will be duality. And that's the reason. Yes, please. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia. Consciousness just is. How can it be love? Isn't love a manifestation? Ultimately, is consciousness anything like love or happiness? Ultimately, it is. <laughs> Julia, a, a consciousness is sought chit 
ananda. And that ananda, that bliss, that bliss uh, is the feeling of love. It, it's not the manifestation of love. I'm not making love. I'm not loving any object. I'm just in love. And that being in love, that just being in love, is being fully aware and fully conscious, fully open to all the expressions of existence. It's not the love that says, oh, okay, I love this one, but I can't love that one because I love this one. And that's attachment. That's not love. And it's not the love of infatuation where I say, well, I think I'm going to go off on this. Well, wait a minute, I'll go off in this direction. No, I'll, wait, wait a minute. I'm not sure which direction I should pursue. That's the infatuation which breeds confusion. This is the love of universal acceptance. I am all of it. And how can I discriminate against any part of it? when I am all of it. So that's what we're talking about as love and consciousness and thought-ship It's love without an object. It's love which is just being in love. I am love. It's not that I love you only. I do love you. But not only. <laughs> I am love. We have a question from Srini. Namaste, Mr. Srini Baba. Hi, Srini. What does it mean to say that Maya is, to, is tapas, that which produces heat? Uh, you see, as, as the bindu, as the Maya of Tantra, as the Maya which gives forth the light and the energy and the heat which produces duality, the mother gives birth to this creation Every vibration of the universe creates friction. And all friction creates heat. Every vibration of the universe is tapas. So when mother comes into manifested existence and she gives birth and she brings forth this creation of duality, she is creating vibrations, she is creating motion, she is creating friction, she is creating heat, she is doing tapas. And that's why the Maya of Tantra says that mother is tapas. Yes, please. We have a question from Elijah. Namaste, Elijah Baba. He says, does the deficiency of Bhagavan stem from the fallacy of Anavasta? No. The deficiency of Bhagavan? No. Yes. This, say it again. It, the deficiency that he came to manifest? It's a follow-up to my question. What's the first time? Uh, that, well, this is relating to the verse that uh, every moment takes, or every being takes birth because of a deficiency. And then you said... That wasn't an infinite fallacy because of God's deficiency? Yes, God had a deficiency. So that's a sort of eternal principle? Y yes, absolutely. There is no one that is totally free from manifestation for all time. Not Brahma, not Vishnu, not Shiva. 
They have some compelling necessity to re-enter their creation, to manifest again. Once they do once they do the complete dissolution of the existence, they can only stay there for a time. And after that time has elapsed, if you put two weights of equal measure, Mr. Engineer, if you put two weights of equal measure into a scale, they will balance for a time. And after that time has elapsed, one weight will become heavy. It is the nature of the nature. The Prakriti will not remain the same all the time. From the unmanifest, manifestation will come. Mm -hmm. it, it is a principle of engineering. <laughs> Actually, it's a principle of physics. But, but I like to call it engineering. <laughs> so that we, we, in this way, the balance cannot be maintained eternally. Shiva will feel some compelling necessity. Brahma will say, I've got to create. Okay, it's time for Swami to write another book. And somebody's got to do something, change this Samyavashta, this perfect equilibrium cannot remain. We got to make some waves. Do something. <laughs> Do something to make waves. Because we can't exist in perfect equilibrium for any length of time. That's the deficiency which causes Brahma to create. That causes Vishnu to protect. That causes Shiva to transform. They have the deficiency, the compelling necessity to act. They are tricky. <laughs> <laughs> they are tricky. <laughs> yes, please. Could you explain the, the verse, in verse 18, all thoughts give the feeling I am and never the feeling I am not. This feeling exists intrinsically within the soul as love, thus I am quite distinct from all else, which is false. It seems like uh, there's making a distinction between bhakti and, and jnan, and uh, I guess I, I, the idea of Vedantan saying neti neti, I am, I am not that, uh, as opposed to um, uh, I am love, uh, just seems kind of confusing to me because usually when we say I am, that's the use, this word we use for ahamkar. Well, there are different kinds of ahamkar. There's ahamkar like Mahisha Shura says, this all belongs to me. And there's the ahamkar of a devotee which says aham brahmashmi. I am one with God. I need a Shiva Waham. I am one with Shiva. So this, uh, every thought, there is no thought that says, I'm not the thinker. I can think, I'm not the thinker. Now who thought that? <laughs> oh, I did. As soon as I thought it, I am there. And therefore, all the thoughts give rise to the thought that I am thinking. Every one of them. Not one of them does it. Not one thought do I think that says I'm not thinking. I can't think of anything that doesn't say that I am thinking. Everything I think about is my thought. And so the, the real feeling, the bhavana, is beyond thought. It's when you get so much in love, you get so much bhakti, you get so much rasa, you get so much juice, you get so much nectar that you move into the intrinsic nature of the soul, which is love. 
And that's the wisdom. That's the gap. That I am love. And it's not I love you and I don't love you and I like this and I don't like that. It's I am love. Now you want to serve me, you want to be father to the Divine Mother, you want to provide an environment conducive to by achieving all of the objectives of this incarnation? you got to remember, you're love. Your intrinsic nature of your soul is love. It's not the feeling and it's not the thought that I am and I am not and I need this and I want that. I am love. You be that love all the time and I will remember and grow up remembering that I am the Divine Mother Incarnate. Om Sam Saraswati Namah. Namaste.